Mwaiseni. Welcome to the Art of Otherness. Conversations on fearless authenticity. June 19 is World Sickle Cell Day. In this episode, Agnes and Sofa and I shed light on sickle cell disease. Agnes is the founder and executive director of Australian Sickle Cell Advocacy, ASCA, and Amplify Sickle Cell Voices International. Our conversation is on the challenges of advocacy, knocking on doors of manufacturers to have hydroxyurea doses reduced for sickle cell patients, newborn screening, and the power of connection. Welcome to the Art of Otherness. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. We've been talking about this for a very long time, but you have been one of my um, supporters from the time I launched this podcast. So I'm really excited to have you come and for us to talk about um, your advocacy and also get to know you a little bit. So welcome, Agnes. Thank you for um spending time with us well thank you so much this is really long overdue i know i've been talking about this i i was there when this baby was born so (laughs) i'm excited i'm excited to be here i've been looking forward to this so thanks again for having me okay so for people who don't know um agnes agnes is Um, a sickle cell disease advocate. She's a mother, she's a wife, she's a nurse. Um, And so I wanted to talk a little bit about how you grow a community as part of our chats together. But before we get there, uh, let's get to know Agnes a little bit. Um, What is something that you're doing for yourself lately? Like what is something that is just for Agnes? Well, that's a good question. Something for Agnes. Um, I think, what can I say? I think at the moment I'm into watching this series. I have a time that I, I just shut down. I know in my busy life, I'm so busy. People think I don't sleep, which sometimes can be true. I wish I could have 48 hours in a day. But I shut down at some point and just sit down. So right now I'm watching a series on um, on Netflix called Younger. I'm so much in love. I'm in love with that series, and I can't wait. And it's it's a lot. Started in 2015, so I still have a long way. It's still going. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Apart from all the craziness, I do have time to sit down and just enjoy me. Um, so let's talk a little bit about ASCA. So ASCA is the Australian Sickle Cell Advocacy. And um, it started off as a Facebook page. So like thinking about your advocacy and where your advocacy came from, maybe let's start with that, like why you were a sickle cell disease advocate. And then we can talk about how it grew from just a simple Facebook page where you used to kind of like pour your emotions into like a really big movement. It's grown in Australia, especially in the last three years. And then now it's even expanding globally. So how about we start with where did this start? Where did this advocacy start for you? Yeah, so for me, it really is something that I never thought, uh, you know, 
that it would be this big. When I started, it was a way of uh, coping. And I say this in a real sense, I was uh, a bit depressed, but I didn't want to consume myself with other thoughts. So I, I tailored those um, or switched those thoughts to looking for a solution. So the solution was for me to be educated as much as I could about sickle cell, and that was reading. So I started reading almost an article almost every day. I would find news every day about sickle cell. But also because I relied so much on Facebook to see what other people were doing in the, in the sickle cell community, I realized that the things that I was seeing on Facebook were sort of depressing for me because the people that have got sickle cell disease, they go through so much and there's so many horrific stories you see, especially in, in the American health system. Mm -hmm. So when I, I learned, because when I went on Facebook, I wasn't even very conversant. Then I learned, oh, I can actually make myself a page. I said, mm -hmm. oh, okay, this is good, a good idea. I can take control of what I want to see. So I decided to create a Facebook page in 2014 after I've collect, I'd collected so much information and I subscribed to so many magazines, e-magazines, health magazines, so I started posting. So when I was posting, it was two things for me, to avoid to see those horrific stories. I exited a lot of Facebook groups, but mm -hmm. also to consume myself with happy thoughts. I was posting good news about gene therapy, about bone marrow transplants, about people in sickle cell community with you know, good stories, if it was an athlete or you know, an actress, such examples. So that's how I started. And I, I just thought, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm not doing anything else. This, this was good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like what you're talking about there because I feel like even in our current situation, if we look at, you know, the last year and this year and COVID and a lot of people were hearing a lot of information and some information that is scary. And if you're an advocate for a very rare disease and all you ever hear about are the negative things, you don't really give space for the positive or just the, like a different perspective. And so thinking about that, your advocacy started from that. I want to give a different perspective. I also want to put some positiveness to it. Um, how do you think that has impacted the movement? Because I call it a movement because really in the Australian context, it, it is a movement. It, it's yeah. a rare disease in Australia. It started, you know, just in a small community on your Facebook page. And now it's national um, all over the country. There, there's different um, membership groups for ASCA. So how do you think that has helped grow and raise more awareness around the country? I think the, 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 yeah, the movement, maybe that's what we can call it, or maybe just a topic about sickle cell disease is actually well known, defined, and it's just not just us among us, the peers that are affected, but also the policymakers that you know what hang on so we do have this rare disease in australia because i think people didn't know even maybe 10 years ago the maybe the prevalence of this condition because there was no one talking about it even though we had other organizations that you know they did speak a bit about it and i did join one of those organizations which i i actually asked them to change the name so that we could try to do what we are doing now 
but their objectives never changed. So this organization was around for 40 years. So there was no one to speak and to actually be affected. And also what makes this story for me, how I feel different is because most of us in these organizations are affected one way or the other. So you feel that personal connection and you feel that personal guilt that if I don't talk about it, then no one will. Because mm-hmm. we've seen it, there's, a, there's the, um, the evidence that before we started talking, no one was talking. Mm-hmm. No one knew about sickle cell. No minister in the, in the, in the history of Australia knew ab- about sickle cell disease or meeting anyone living with sickle cell, even though we have people that are, are born with sickle cell in this country. So because of that, and now with the social media, social media is, is like fire. Mm. everyone knows you know you have people on, on linkedin on 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 um, twitter writing you messages i didn't know that the sickle cell disease in australia you know you have people at a given day i ha- i have maybe about 10 or so people wanting to connect on my linkedin and you see that all all those people almost 3000 people from all over the world now know that the sickle cell in australia and so I think that's a good thing. I know it's a rare disease, which is a very, very terrible disease to be affected about, but to have it known so that people, especially the policymakers, should do something about it, I feel it's turned out to be a good thing for the sickle cell community in Australia. Mm, definitely. And I think they, there's the change that comes from um, the grassroots, you know, People who are affected, people who are hearing about this, raising awareness. And then there's the top as well from policymakers. And then when you find the in-between, that's where you, you find the change. And I believe that's what a lot of the work of ASCA is, like having the grassroots community and then also advocating with policymakers to meet in the middle. Um, talk to us about some of the challenges, like being an advocate is not an easy thing. Talk to us about some of the challenges and how you have tackled um, them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I spoke about this somewhere maybe a few weeks ago. You know, when we, you know, when we met, it, it was so easy. We've identified the issues that are affected uh, people living with sickle cell disease need. We've, we've uh, identified issues that can change the narrative in terms of those people that are not even born. To, to advocate for newborn screening, to advocate for prenatal screening and other medications, very beautifully done on, on the website, on paper. But then once you start to implement those issues, then you know that you know, it's not as easy as we thought because we have no control. All we can do is speak and knock on those doors, but it's been a very, very uh, difficult road for us. And uh, I know people see a few, the, the things that we post, because uh, I, I feel um, it's good to celebrate even the small milestones mm-hmm. and not draw so much on the negatives. Because if we did, I tell you by today, would have stopped. <laughs> because we have connected, tried to connect with so many um, people, so many policymakers, so many organizations that can help us change the way things should be for the sickle cell community. But most of the time, people do not even respond. That's it. <laughs> people do not even respond to, to your request. But the few that do, we, we, we take pride and we, we celebrate. So in terms of, um, I'll give you an example, for example, with, uh, with hydroxyurea. We've identified that hydroxyurea is a drug and we identified this not 
because I'm also connected to the global sickle cell community, I've been trying to tell them how it is in the, in the hydroxyurea drug. Mm. Hydroxyurea is a drug that was found to work for sickle cell disease by mistake over mm. 20 years ago, about maybe 22 or 23 years ago. At the time, the drug was only formulated for 500 milligrams specific for certain cancers. They take it in five, so they take five or a thousand or 150. When um, those people with sickle cell, uh, sorry, the people with cancer started taking it, the doctors realized that it increased the fetohemoglobin, which is uh, another form of hemoglobin in the body that is not affected by sickle cell disease. And so the scientists knew that once you have even a small percentage, 20%, 30% is even more of fetohemoglobin, your symptoms of sickle cell disease won't be so much. Mm. And so from the 80s, our early 90s, 90s, we saw that this drug, there's a lot of um, market for it. And I went to the company that does this drug or that manufactures the original uh, company that manufactures this uh, drug. I was like, obviously you knew from the early 90s that your sales went up for this drug globally when it was identified to be used for sickle cell disease. Now, what happens in sickle cell disease, we don't take it for the 500 mark. You, you can take it even for the kids before they, they introduce a liquid. You can even take 100 mils, you, you, form, you do the compounding, 100 mils, 200. So you needed to break that, the capsule, the 500 in small, smaller pieces or mm. smaller capsules. So when we realized that in Australia, uh, one of our members, they, they, initially the daughter was on 500 milligrams, then they were increased to 200, 700 milligrams. When they wanted to buy that drug, they were told that for 500 milligrams, you are going to buy it at $6 for 90 capsules. Mm -hmm. For the 200 milligrams capsules, you are going to buy it for $6 something times three. You are going to buy it in three, three, um, three months. So they only sell up to one month supply for the same amount. So for 500, you get 90 for like $6, the, the reduced price or the concession, PBS. Mm. But for the 200, you take the same amount to make the 700 three months worth. So you're going to buy $6 for 30, $6 for, uh, for 60, and another 60 for 90. Yeah. So we went to this company and asked them that how... I mean, this drug is here. How difficult is it? You have the formulas and we have this, uh, the hospitals um, actually import this drug from the smaller doses from other parts of the country, mm. uh, other parts of the world. Why can't you make it here in Australia? Then we found the, 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 the obstacles. They, they explained to us that this drug was brought in Australia, not because of sickle cell, it was brought for these cancer, um, cancer diseases which are severe to them. They didn't think that a sickle cell was severe. They didn't even know the people that we saw that there's um, 200 milligrams and five, 400 milligrams of hydroxyurea. We had to send them a, a picture. We called one of the parents to send us a picture to show them. So that's just an example where you feel in your head, you know, I've, I've been to uni, I, I analyze stuff like I'm educated. I'm thinking how difficult can it be for a company who makes the drug, who formulated the, the, the components to make a reduced uh, size so that it can work well for other people. And you know, because sickle cell affects people that are, that unfortunately come from, you know, less resource um, countries and even economic status. 
six dollars every thirty you know days that could be something for them. Yeah. So you know, looking at cost wise, we even did a cost analysis that it's not about the, the, the little amount, it's about adding up because somebody's taking this drug for the rest of their life. Yeah. So that an obstacle where I thought this is a simple, straightforward. Same thing with the, the healthcare card, that's another issue. And so many other things that you know we just feel it's so easy when we look at it, but it's yet it's very difficult. For newborn screening, for example, other diseases. When you do the testing for newborn screening, when we did the analysis, when we were doing an application last year, with I think it was less than ten dollars, if I can remember, other hematologists were telling us for the sickle cell testing, newborn screening. If we had to do it today, when they did the sample to find out how much it can cost, it's like a hundred dollars. Mm. Then we're asking ourselves, why is why is it so different from other other genetic conditions when the testing is very similar? Yeah. So those are the issues that you feel. Some of them, you know, most of them actually, you you are you are at the mercy of policymakers to open the door for you. And for me, I feel because there's evidence to suggest that sickle cell disease has been neglected for so long, in terms of funding, in terms of research, and again, a lot of um, you know authors or you know uh, scholars have written the fact that. Sickle cell disease affects people that come from an African background. It's got anything to do with race. Yeah. And these are not my words. I, I can download a lot of articles. People have said it's got everything to do with the race because it affects people that are come predominantly black people. But now we have a few people, even whites, depending on the gene, or not, um, the, the way they're, they're formed, they're also having sickle cell. But predominantly, over 90%, it affects people that are from the, the black race. And so you've seen that over the years, no much research is put in. And I always try to compare cystic fibrosis and sickle cells, anyone can go out and Google and just see how much money is pumped into cystic fibrosis and then look at the number that are affected and also look at the people that are affected by sickle cell. So for me as a black person <laughs> in Australia, advocating for a condition that affects most black people, tell me how much a big steel door will be th thrown in my face. And I have accepted, because I tell you, if I didn't have the perseverance and tolerance, which I've learned, I don't even know. I tell you, if my, my dad would be turning in the, in the grave right now, because I'm one person who does not tolerate. I've learned to be patient and to be tolerant, because this is something that has really challenged me to my core, because it's something that I've got no control over whatsoever. I've, I've tried to do the best that I can because even the clinicians themselves, we have some clinicians that are very hard to ask. They can't even you know, speak to you. And there are some that are good, but you just feel helpless because mm. you have no control. All you can do is you know, try and if it fails, it fails. If it works, it works. Yeah. I think there's a lot that you're talking about around the resilience Factor. You've talked about how you've gained a lot of patience, <laughs> how you've gained a lot of perseverance. And I hear a lot of resilience, especially with the context of, you know, like the, the African community in Australia over the last, you know, 20, 30 years is when it's grown. And so to start shining a light on a minority problem and then ask for focus on it, like that, that is a challenge. And I, I do believe like 
just like you're saying, because of the work that ASCA has been doing in raising awareness and bringing the topic into you know, the community realm, into the political realm, they, that has accelerated some of the conversations, but that doesn't mean there's still not a lot of roadblocks in your way. And I think that that's the, the key about advocacy as well, is like the road is going to be hard. How do you kind of like tackle those challenges that keep coming to you? So when you talk about like you've learned patience and <laughs> persistence and resilience, I'm interested into kind of like, how do you play all those roles? So you, you're an advocate, you're a mom, you're a daughter, you're a sister. You are trying to look after your own kids and your own family, but you're also trying to look after the ASCA community and the ASCA family locally and now globally. How, how do you balance these roles in your life? Um, I think what I've told myself is um, if I believe in something, if I know that it's, this is something that I feel is right to do, I don't give up. Mm. There's an issue that I'm dealing with now where I see clearly that this is the way things are supposed to do. I do not give up. And um, if I do, then I've tried all the channels and said, Agnes, you tried everything that you could do in you. It's not working, then stop. Mm -hmm. So we, even with uh, what I told you about the hydroxyurea, I still haven't given up. I'm still yeah. going back to them. I'm still going back to them. <laughs> I do not give up. So, and, I, and that's what I'm saying, that I don't know where this Agnes has been all these years, because if I, I feel I believe in something, I don't. But also, you sometimes you sort of have to lay low because at the end of the day, you can't do this alone. You need people with you. You know, even if you have an opinion, if you think that, you know, oh, here, let me just, you know, lay low a little bit. If I, even if I know that this is the way things should be, you you have, you have need your team around you. So you have to sort of, uh, you know, uh, be, be focused and be resilient and be persistent, but also learn to stay back because you can't do this alone. You need your team around you. Mm. So... Yeah, definitely powering through and um, thinking about the support that you need is, is very important in whatever you're doing and never giving up. <laughs> I keep seeing Agnes just pushing through metal doors. She's like, you're not going to stop me. Not today, not ever. No, not today, not today. Very powerful words there. Just really, it is more than you. It, it, it is bigger than you. And things like this, you have to keep at it especially through the pain you keep at it because it makes it better for people who are coming after and you're right the, the ones who are not born we need to make sure they don't go through the pain that we're going through now yeah, yeah. what has this journey what has the advocacy journey taught you about yourself uh this is what i'm telling you i didn't know what this actress has been all these years <laughs> <laughs> Brought out a whole new Agnes. <laughs> I I actually get surprised by I even get scared when I, sort of I, sometimes I I write an email or suggest something and people are like yeah 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 we can do it I'm like oh my god I I get scared because I just feel that um, I, I can't believe just like where we are let me just say that like just mm -hmm. where we are in terms of uh, you know 
sickle cell and just myself where people are asking you to speak and I'm like, what am I going to talk about? All I know is that I had a, uh, had a child who was a sickle cell disease. I really don't think this is a, a big, big, uh, big deal. Mm. And then, so, and then maybe sometimes you you ask yourself that maybe it is, but I really don't think it's a big deal that um, you know, I I I I get shivers sometimes, even when you know I simply say you know I'm going to email the the Minister of Health. Can you give us a video? And within a few minutes, an email comes back. Yes, when do you want it? You know. Mm. So it has taught me, but also to be humble. You know, you. You, you you try to to do stuff but you also have to have to remember that uh, you know be humble and don't expect every everything to be your way most times and that's just what I think also has, has taught me to to be ready to to face anything mm. because once the bad news comes I know it's hard but I sort of prepare myself every time I ask for something I, I prepare myself how I'm going to act if it's negative if that makes sense so I prepare myself so that if it does, it doesn't affect me so much. Because previously, I am one person who's very emotional, such that I, I would sleep over something I saw on TV and not eat because I would start yeah. upset. But I prepare myself in this because I'm so consumed. The only way that I protect myself is to always be ready to face the bad news. Yeah. If it comes as a good news, that's extra for me. But because we've, re we've received so much um, um, uh, like turned back and bad news, so it's now going to four years, I've, I've just told myself that, you know, I try and if it comes back and bad news, it's fine. Yeah. And there, there is always a, another thing that you can try as well. Yeah. I, I think I, I really like that philosophy of like, it, it's not even like, preparation for bad news but that doesn't stop you like yeah um it comes you embrace it and then you're like okay let's move what next can what we next? do it doesn't stop you from going forward and I love that I think one of the things that I love about your journey and even hearing you talk right now about how you get shivers <laughs> um and how you've just come into your power of like this is what you love to do. This, this is how you give back to the world outside of your family, outside of your community. This is how you give back. And this journey has taught you your power, your influence. It's challenged you. It has. <laughs> it's challenged you, given you so many sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I really believe like, you know, even what you were saying, even outside of Aska, like the 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 change that is in people's hearts or just just by hearing your story or just by being able to connect uh, a family to the right doctors, to the right clinicians, to the right information that can help them um, with their child or with their sibling, daughter, um, whoever it is in their family. That is sometimes in, in advocacy, sometimes I think that is something that we forget because we want to look at the bigger numbers. Yeah. But I believe exactly. the smaller numbers, like they matter the most as well. And I believe you're doing that with Aska and just changing people's uh, perception, but also just the simple connection of the right 
inflammation and that makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. How can people join and um, support ASCA? So ASCA, we are very, very big on social media. So Australian Sickle Cell Advocacy, we have a website. It's all sickle cell. So AUSSickleCellAdvocacy.org. We have a website where a registered charity with a DGR status. If uh, people donate to us, they get back their money at tax time. We are on all social media, most social media platforms, because I can't keep up with some of the names. So we are on yeah. Facebook, we are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, and we are on LinkedIn. And I'll and, put those links in the show notes so people can have them as well. Yes, yes, and people can, can connect with me. We are looking for people every time to come on board and uh, just volunteer your time and uh, give us ideas. We are always looking for ideas and uh, just try to see how we can grow. But also, most importantly, um, we have created a, a course for sickle cell just to help people understand an overview about sickle cell disease, its history, all these things I was telling you about the hydroxyurea, things like bone marrow transplant, all those came by, by mistake. You know, nothing was planned for sickle cell. So we have history, the history of sickle cell disease, the complications, the treatment options, and obviously how you can find us and connect with the families around Australia. So that's on our website as well. World Sickle Cell Day, 19th June, is uh, the day that we recognize uh, sickle cell around the world. So on this day, I think our focus is always to just encourage people to, you know, get tested and so, so that you know, have that informed um, decision to, to make. I always say it's a very difficult question to ask, but it's good to have a peace of mind once you get registered. But I think our focus for this year, especially for us in Australia, is to connect with other, other um, families that don't know that we exist. Because uh, I know when we do this, we have one or two people. So our strategy is for us to put this across as much as we can so that we connect you with people that are affected. Because I know testing is really important, but people that are also living with sickle cell disease at the moment, they are like Agnes three years ago where they didn't know who they can speak to. They need to find out and relate to people who are affected. And our focus is to try and get these people, connect them with other families. And uh, it's, it's about doing this. It's about talking. And um, we come together and find solutions because we know some people go through stuff in the Australian health system that we don't know about. We can only help if we know. And the few people that have come on board have told us of a few strategies and the things that we know. Then we go to those clinicians because we've partnered with healthcare providers around the country because it's considered a rare disease. So the few numbers, it's very easy to connect with them. So yeah, just know that if you are living with sickle cell disease in Australia, get in contact with us so that we can connect you with the family member and just join our team because we do have activities around the, uh, the country. We are now in all major states. That includes New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, Queensland, and Western Australia. So get in touch with us and get connected to one of the teams in, this, um, in, this, in these states. But also, most importantly, again, even if you have kids, it's just to know, uh, be uh, assured, have the peace of mind to know your sickle cell status because it's a it's a disease that has a, it's a numbers or, or not a numbers game if I can call it that way by chance. Mm -hmm. So in every pregnancy, depending on um, 
how you are formed, there's 25, 75, 50% chance of whether you have a trait or the sickle cell disease. So if you are lucky, you may have all your kids, they have the sickle cell trait without knowing and they don't have any symptoms only to know years later, once they get married with a trait that they had the sickle cell disease. So that's what we want to, to focus on. Even if you're older, it's good to just be, have a peace of mind so that you can pass that information to your children's children. Thank you for spending time with me. If you're living with sickle cell or know someone with sickle cell in Australia, get connected to one of the Askers team. Their family support network will provide you with information, resources, and the community you need to fight this disease. And as always, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss my next conversation. Till next time, Charlene Nipo. Stay wise, stay connected.